Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. It's uh, good to be with you here on a fine Sunday morning. Uh, we're uh, continuing this series. We'll wrap it up next week. Uh, next week, I want to I talk about how do you finish what God starts. We're going to look at that. Today, I want to talk about restarting your life. Uh, I really want to make sure we start the year off starting well. I don't know what your plans are for 2023, if you have, have any uh, plans at all. But I have to ask, what are you planning to do? What are you planning to start in this brand new year that's ahead of you? Robin Sharma, on your notes and up here on the screen, says he, he's a Canadian author, said this, I thought it was very good, don't live the same year 75 times and call it a life. And I couldn't agree with that more. You know, God did not design you and I to live the same old way, doing the same old things year after year after year. No, and he really designed uh, life to be new, uh, to be renewed, to uh, to go forward. And all this idea of, of, of walking, like Paul would say, in newness of life after our baptism is this new life and this new way of living and th- these new moments, new uh, challenges, new changes, new habits that that are in front of us. And uh, that all begins to happen when we place our trust in Jesus Christ, when we dedicate our life to Christ. That's when these, this new life really begins. Look at this passage here in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. The Living Bible says it this way. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. And look what it says there. A new life has begun. If I'm going to start this year right, I want to start it with Jesus Christ. To follow Christ is to be born again, to start again and and walk this new planned, purposeful life that he has uh, planned for us. And so I hope you'll use 2023 this morning. This whole series is about that. Using this year, the beginning of this year. We're still in January, but we decide now at the beginning of this year, we're not going to waste it. We don't want to waste it as a a Christian. I don't want to waste it as a Christian. And I definitely don't want us to waste it as a church, but to really take advantage of this opportunity to start again. One of the things that uh, I have uh, electronics all around me. I've constantly got a, I had to check. I don't think I got my earbud in my ear. I, I, I have that on my Sometimes it's not even working, and I've got it in my ear. I forget it's there. And I have a, I have an iPhone, and it's an iPhone 10. It's an oldie. It's, it's become the, you know, a relic. See, some of you have probably never got out of six. But, I, but anyway, and, I, and this phone is interesting to me. I, I live in a, I don't know if it's the devil's triangle of phone signals for AT&T. I have a tower north, south, east, and west of me, and yet I have lousy, lousy signal. And I finally bought a WeBoost system. I'm not trying to plug these guys, but I'll tell you what, it it's changed everything in our house. Now I have four bars on my phone of a one-bar signal outside. It's fantastic. But I've, 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 this is my second antenna I've put up. I'm always trying to find a gadget that's going to make it work. And I noticed something about this iPhone of mine. It just, every once in a while, it just starts acting, acting wonky. It starts acting weird. Uh, it, it does, it's not really fast. It, it, it takes forever to get something moving and going. And, and I'm like, what is wrong with this thing? It gets sluggish. It gets slow. And then sometimes it just freezes up. 
that ever happened to you? It just freezes up, right? It hangs up on people. You know, then you call them back and they're all mad at you. And you're like, I didn't do it. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. It was my phone. It's this gadget. Well, I, what I noticed, uh, I finally had my brother, who's the gadget guy. He, I said, Danny, I said, what is the problem? He goes, well, do you ever restart the thing? Do you ever reset it? And I go, why? Do you, you're supposed to do that? And he goes, when's the last time you, you know, shut it off? I don't think I ever have. You're telling me you've never shut your phone off? No, it's on. And listen, folks, it's on all the time. In fact, when it gets low, I just charge it up and keep it going. And, and, and I didn't know that the apps, all these apps are on. There's cookies and there's history and there's all kinds of stuff going on behind the scenes. This zapping my phone strength till it finally just cannot work. And I have, he says, just sometimes you got to do a hard reset, but try just restarting it. And I've noticed when I have a bad signal around the house, you, you know, it's like not even working inside. I've been doing a lot lately. I hit those two buttons, restart my phone, and all of a sudden I can watch YouTube again. I can watch Judge Judy on freebie. It's great. It's just something. You know, all I had to do, took just a few minutes, restart, and I'm good again. I've learned that life is a lot like this. I've been around long enough to know there's been many times that when we're living our lives, things get sluggish. We get overloaded. Many of you are working too much. Listen, I, I am too. Many of us are playing too much. Me too. Sometimes we're just, we got everything going on. I've got to have four or five projects going at one time. Maybe you're like that. I know some of you here are very one task at a time and, and it's just jamming. All this stuff's coming. You know you've got one thing and another thing and another thing. But we're running around. We're busy, busy, busy. And sometimes we're not taking good care of ourselves. I know I don't take care of myself sometimes. I don't take care of myself spiritually well sometimes. And then all of a sudden there's like a, like a, a, a I'm going to date myself and I'm so sorry for anybody that's young here. But you feel like Max Headroom. Remember him? He kind of starts, he's a digital guy. That's how I start forgetting things, forgetting car keys, forgetting people's names. I'm sorry, Denise. It just slipped my mind who you were for just a sec. We get busy. I get overloaded. We start freezing up. We have conversations. Somebody asks a question and we're like thinking. And they go, hello? Are you still there? Yeah, I'm thinking about how to answer your question. You got to be kidding me. I just... What is the problem? Sometimes I just need some kind of a, I wish there was a, is there such a thing as a spiritual update where I could hit a button and get a spiritual update? Sometimes I just need to, to defrag uh, and delete. I was thinking about this sermon today about when the computer does this, they have that control, alt, delete button. What do those buttons stand for? Control. Alternate, delete, and boy, what a lesson there in life. That that a lot of times I get I get all jammed up, I get all froze up, I get spiritually sluggish because I gotta I gotta go back and figure out who's going to be in control, alternate what I need to be doing, and delete some things that need to go. There's the lesson right there when you stop and think about it. And hitting that, and suddenly, don't you have to hit it twice before the computer finally does it? You got to hit it more than once. And then finally, the computer goes, Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. And then all of a sudden, things are running smooth again for a while. 
until the next time I have to restart. And, and, and that's the thing I notice it about my Christian life. It's been full of restarts, setbacks and restarts, setbacks and restarts, moments where I've needed to reset things, refocus, recharge, refurbish. You guys, anybody here got anything refurbished from the store? I have a TV that a young man said to me, Tim, you're going to buy a new TV? Yeah, get a refurbished one. I go, I don't know about that. Refurbished? That don't sound right. And he says to me, here's the thing. When all these TVs are coming off the assembly line, they do a quick check of everything. And then when you buy it and something goes wrong, you take it back, right? Yeah. Well, you know what they do with that TV? You think you're the only person that has this happen? I go, no. He goes, well, they take it back and then they take it to the factory and they call it a refurbishing. And he said, here's why you ought to buy a refurbished. I'm not, by the way, saying you ought to do this, but that's I took his advice. I got to get out of this somehow. But he says to me, what they do on a refurb when they're refurbishing is they go meticulously through every little transistor and capacitor and piece of that TV. So it's all working like it's supposed to. I still, look, I bought this refurbished TV back in 2001. I'm still watching it. It's that good of a TV. I think sometimes that's how God is. He, he's the God of, of, of restarts. He's the God that wants to give a spiritual update and restart some things that maybe have gotten sluggish in my life. Look at the Bible says here in 1 Corinthians uh, 1.30. And we're going to look at some message translations because it uses this word fresh start. And I like that. It says here, everything we have, right thinking and right living, a clean slate and a fresh start comes from God by the way of Jesus Christ. So because of Jesus, when you follow Christ, you are purified, you are cleansed, you're made right, you're set free, you're made, listen, brand new. You're not, listen, you're not going through a repair job. You're not being repaired. You're being refurbished. You're being restored. And that's what God wants to do whenever we feel like, I need, I want to start I got, I need to, I need to, I sense it. I need to start again. Because God is the God of do-overs. God is the God of restarts. Look at the Bible says here. Let's look at a few of the passages that help us get excited about this idea of restarting. Psalms 32, 1 says, count yourself lucky, David says. How happy you must be. You get a fresh start. Your slate's wiped clean. He's talking about that when you follow Christ, when you follow God. This is what you can anticipate. And look at this in here in Micah. This is during a time when Israel is going through the ringer. And he says, where is a God who can compare with you? Wiping the slate clean of guilt. Turning a blind eye, a deaf ear to the past sins of your purged and precious people. You don't nurse your anger and stay angry uh, long. For mercy, look at this, is your specialty. That's what you love the most. What, you know what God loves doing the most? giving you a restart, giving you a fresh start. He wipes the slate clean so you can start again. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't dwell on it. He turns a deaf ear to it. He turns a blind eye to it. He does that through Jesus Christ on the cross. And then Ephesians, you catch this same idea when Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus. He says, you've learned the truth that is in Jesus. And what is that truth? That he's the God of do-overs. That he's established a new way of living. He's the God of a fresh start. And he says, you've learned the truth that is in Jesus. 
And because of that, he says, so in regard, in other words, in your view of your former way of life, put off your old self. Oh, I'm a part of this restart? Yeah, I'm responsible. I, I share responsibility and work with Christ to restart things. And be, it says, and be made new in the attitudes of your mind and put on your new self created to be like God, truly good and holy. Anybody here besides me have a lot of old clothes in your closet that you never wear? I do too. I have lots of them. I probably wear about, and you notice, you've seen this outfit many, 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 many times. You're going, oh, he's wearing that shirt again or those pants. Tim, it's almost like you've got three outfits. I know. But I have lots of outfits. But every time I go, I like this shirt. I like these pants. And it's just something about that. I've got rows of t-shirts with sarcastic stuff, funny stuff, good stuff. But I hardly wear them at all. And Denise there once in a while goes, why are you, you, you need to throw some of this stuff away. I had one year uh, when I was in a, a camper, 16 years old. I went to a camp and Debbie Weiler and I went to that same camp in Louisville, Illinois. And I remember getting a shirt, and it had the camp's name on it, Epworth Youth Institute. Sounds like a prison. What is that? Where did you, how much time did you do there? No, 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 it's a, it's a church camp. It's a church camp. 400 campers, Epworth Youth Institute. It was a light blue shirt, dark blue. Remember now, it's the 70s. And I remember putting that shirt on, and I did never want to take it off because I had such a good time there, such great memories. I made some great decisions there, and I wasn't about to ever let this shirt go. You ever got you had a favorite shirt like this? I wore this everywhere, everything I did, and after a few years, this old beautiful shirt began to get ugly, wrinkly, ripped, stains. I had a rust stain, I kid you not. It was like this. I don't know if I laid it down. I was outside. I took my shirt off and I forgot about it, and it rained, and it got a big old rust spot. And I wore this. I still wore it. My mother would look at me funny. Then I got married, and that shirt went with me. I'm hanging it up in the closet, and Denise is already inspecting, already doing her job. And I put it on, and she goes, what's that? I go, Epworth Youth Institute? You didn't tell me you were a prisoner somewhere. No, 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 it's not a prison. It's a camp. What's that all about? He goes, well, it's my, I went to church. This is the camper shirt. This is where I, I, I made some decisions about Jesus Christ. And I'm going to wear this shirt. Inside her head, she goes, yeah, you're going to wear this shirt today. But tomorrow, it's going to be missing in action. You got a shirt like that? Old stuff. Tim, you're 25. You don't, the shirt don't even fit anymore. Your belly's hanging out. You need to get rid of it. That's what, why? Because it's time to try something else new. Here, try this shirt on. It's new. Smells new. Ooh, it fits better. It's comfortable. Yeah. Get rid of that old stuff. You see, as, as a Christian, as a Christian church, we, we make, made a commitment and we've made this commitment to Christ. To have this life of, in view of Him and what He does, of taking things off, of getting rid of old habits that incidentally make room for new ones. Sometimes we can't change because there's so many, we got so much stuff we won't let go of. We can't make the change until there's room for change to occur. 
But it's this life that's saying, that's, that's taking out the old stuff, putting, putting on something new, trying something new, thinking in a new way, living in a new habit. It's a life of restarts and resets and renewals and especially rewards. So I ask you again, simply ask you, what are you planning to start this year? What's something new you want to do in 2023? I got four steps, are real simple steps when we're talking about restarting. What, what are they, Tim? If I want to make a struggle, if I really want to restart some things in my life on my end, this idea of putting on the new self and putting off, what, what do I do? Well, the first thing is I start asking God to do something new in my life. I stole this point from another sermon. Very good point. That's where I start. Step one, I start asking God to do something new in my life. You know, God is into new things. He loves new things. Look at the Bible says in Isaiah 43, 19. Again, things have, have bogged down and at a standstill in Israel. They're, they're, they're going through a very tough, they need a new start. They need to hit the restart, the reset key. And look what God says this through Isaiah to Israel. For I am going to do a brand new thing. And you read the Old Testament and you find these kind of scriptures. God saying stuff like, you know, um, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. We know that song, right? And what's that next verse? They are new every morning. Every morning? Every day. Every morning. At the beginning of my day, the steadfast, that love of God is fresh and new and waits for me when I wake up. Meets me and welcomes me when I begin my day. What a thought. That's in the Old Testament. David would say things like, He's given me a new song to sing. I, you know, uh, oh, how do I say this? I loved singing Holy Ground. That was nice. It's an old song. Not really, really, really old. We're not talking about Fanny J. Crosby. Not, not related to Bing. This is, we're not talking about 1800 stuff. Isaac Watts, William Kilpatrick. You say, who are these people? These are the people that wrote those old songs that some of us old people like. Why'd you giggle? Were these old people that were giggling? Okay. Did you know what I'm saying? But what a song, wasn't it? We are standing on holy ground. And I'm watching the worship team come out and Tom is emotionally wrecked. That was incredible. He's just wrecked by the song. And I'm thinking, yeah, I could just hear it in his voice. I could hear it in your voices. It was just good. And where do we get these songs? God gives us these new songs to sing. Not the same old things. But new things, new thoughts, new ideas. God's into new things. You know, Jesus is into new things too. He likes new things. Look at here in, in Revelation 21. The one who is sitting on the throne, that's Jesus, says, look, I'm making everything new. Everything? Everything new, Tim. We're not talking about putting an old patch or a new patch on an old wineskin. We're talking about new wine and new wineskins. I am completely overhauling what's how life's to be. I, you, you might have heard it said this way, the old way. I want to give you a new way to think about something. You look at the teaching to Jesus and he says things like this. A new commandment I give you. It's not an old one. No, there's a new one. 
And so if, if God and Jesus are into this bringing, you know, God in the flesh comes to earth bringing something new, I want in on it. I want to know, what do you want? What, what do you, what's something new you've got planned for me, Lord? I want in on that. Look at David. He, he caught this. He understood this. He says, create in me a new, clean heart. Oh God, filled with clean thoughts and right desires. And I'm saying if you want to get a, first, get a good start this year, it starts with asking the God who is into the new things. It, wants, it has new things for you, waiting for you. God, what do you want to start in me that's new? That's a good question. God, God created me. I, I want a new heart. There's something I want, Lord. I want a new perspective. I want a new purpose. I want new renewed passion. I want renewed strength. I want a renewed focus. Oh, God, could you give that to me? And he will say, yeah, of course I can give that to you. Because I'm into new stuff. I've been waiting for you. And kind of like a storekeeper going, you want that? That's wonderful. And he goes over to the shelf and goes, here it is, man. Brand spanking new for you. It starts there. Second step. I start pinpointing what I need to change. If I want to start again, I've got, to, I've got to pinpoint. That's what that passage in Ephesians is implying there, isn't it? You put off the old self and put on the new self. I've got to pinpoint what is it that I need to change. I need to start doing that. I'm blown away by this passage in, first, in uh, Psalms 39 here on your notes and up here on the screen. And look how many times, look what the psalmist is asking. He says, investigate my life. Investigate my life, O oh God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See yourself, see for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. He's not saying, God, you know, I want you to investigate and I want you to, to look and examine what's going on around me. No, he's saying, no, I want you to investigate me, what's in me. That's a big thing. You want to restart your life? A lot of us want to re, we want, us, want our circumstances to change. We want our circumstances to start over. When really, what good would that be if I'm going to still be the same old person? Doesn't make any sense. No, and some of these circumstances may never go away. So I have to look, and this is a gutsy thing I'm, I'm, I'm noticing that scriptures are teaching you and I to do. It's a very gutsy thing, a courageous thing to have the courage and the faith to go, I'm going to look at myself and not look at everybody else and what they're doing to me, but look at me. What do I need to do? What do I need to change? And I got to get very specific. Why? Because I won't change anything as long as I'm generic. Oh, God, help me be a better guy. Well, what do you, Tim, that's pretty broad. Help me be nice. Well, can we finish the sentence? There's a way to finish it? Yeah. Nice to who? Nice when? Help me, help me trust you more. Finish the sentence, Tim. Okay. In my marriage, with my emotions, with my money. When we're very generic, then we, there's very little to aim at, right? If the target is so broad, it's hard to even... You say, well, now I can't miss it. <laughs> well, of course, but is that really the purpose of being generic, to make the target so big? You know, I, the more specific I can be, when I pinpoint this... And go, that's what I need to change. 
That's what God's revealing to me about me. Then something can happen. Something incredible. A fresh start can occur. Look at this in 2 Corinthians 13.5. Test yourselves, Paul says. Test yourselves, he says. To see if you are of the faith. Examine yourselves. See, I've got to look at me. And so often, and I do this. If you do this, then we do this. If you don't, then you can relax. But the rest of us, we do this all the time. We're too busy looking at what other people are doing. How they're treating us. The situation we're in. Rather than looking at how are we handling it personally. Because that situation may never change. I may never get well. That relationship may never get restored. I may never get my way. I may never get the raise. I may not be able to change any of that, but I can change me. I can restart me. See, my phone, when it's having this problem, it's an internal thing. And I can set it outside. I can change the environment it's in. It doesn't change a thing until I get what's inside that's keeping it from functioning. I've got a list here of things, just some things there. Is that on your notes, a list of stuff? Yeah, just some things that... You know, maybe you could, you might want to look at it and go, you know, I want to change. I want, I, I need to change this. I would like to change this in 2023. And maybe you can't check all of them. And I hope you would have the, again, the courage and the faith to check something. To say, you know, is it my connection with God? Is it my health, my priorities, a relationship, my capacity? I, I put my capacity there on purpose because how, how can I, I, I don't want to beat anybody up here. But some of us here have about this much capacity when it comes to stress. Am I right? I can't handle that. I can't do that. Don't ask me to do too much. I'm only asking you to do teeny weeny itty bitty. Ah, I can't do it. I know. We get over. I don't know where your capacity level is, but I'll tell you, I know all of us here probably could use a little improvement in that area. But for those of us that are, I know some of you, Somebody just asking you to help with something. I got, I, I got so much going on. Your capacity is just, maybe you, I want to change that. I want, to, I want God to be able to put more on me. I want to be able to do, I want to be, God to be able to count on me. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's a thought. There's a thought that holds you captive. It's negative, stinky thinking. I know this one really well. I'm sure some of you here could rival me. We have, we are critical. We, we have this bad slant when we see something. We see what's wrong rather than what's right. We're great. In fact, I'll tell you what, there's some of you here, you're such, so good at your PhDs at this that there's times I go, I don't know how to, how to see that. Maybe I should call you and you can tell me exactly what's wrong. You know, I never make that call because I'm one of those people. And there's these thoughts, doubts, fears, suspicions. We beat ourselves up. God, I, I want to, I got to pinpoint what is the thought? Lustful thoughts, angry thoughts, bitter thoughts. Maybe it's my marriage I want to change. I need to change my marriage. I can tell you something, church. I, I feel like I've had a good marriage, but you know, it gets, it gets stale. And then we had our, Marriage retreat this past 
Paul, it has been incredible. I don't know what Connie said to my wife. I don't know if I can remember what Dub said to me. But something changed. I'm so thankful. Now, I'm not saying we don't have our rough patches and stuff, but I'm learning to pick up stuff. I'm learning to serve my wife. I'm learning to to just ease up a little bit and not be so quick to snap. I'm just so thankful that, and, and maybe that's maybe that's something you go, man. I'd like to improve my marriage. I'd like to. I want to pinpoint and work on that one. Maybe it's a routine. Some of us are caught up in so many patterns, certain patterns that we have no room to get off of those patterns. We we don't even consider changing our routine because you, sometimes you change a routine, it establishes a new habit, which comes to the next one, the habits. Or maybe it's parenting. I'd like to be a better parent. Who wouldn't? I'd like to be a better grandparent. Or maybe it's my schedule. You know, I never really changed my schedule and really got convicted about looking at how I spend my time until I sat down with somebody and we actually went through my week, the previous week, and he was able, from a different perspective, didn't have a dog in the hunt, and said, well, Tim, why do you do that? And Why do you have time for that? And Why, why are you carving out so much time? He really takes that much. Until somebody began to question what I was doing, I would never known that I had more time in my life Maybe it's a confidence thing. I want to be more confident. I'm afraid I'm a scaredy cat. I'm a scaredy cat. There's some things that terrify me. Maybe it's your finances. I want to give well at this special contribution. I want to give regularly to the church. I want, I want, I want, to, change, I want to learn to manage my money better. I've made some bad decisions. I know many of us here can say, man, I made some dumb decisions and now I'm, I'm strapped. I don't want to make them anymore. Maybe that's what you ought to work on. Or maybe you got a dream. I just have a dream. And I just, and maybe it's just mine. And may, I don't know. But I just, God, you know, I, I, want to, I want to work on this dream. I want this ministry I'm involved in to thrive. I want it to work. I want this small group I'm in. I want it to be healthy and helpful to people. I want to start a business. Whatever it be. I've got a dream. I, I would love to. I would love to accomplish. I'd like to see a new ministry. And I know. I think God's t- turning me to, toward this new ministry. And Lord, I want to pinpoint. I know I need to change something if I'm going to work on these. So it starts with starting by. I start asking God. Start something new. I start pinpointing. Get specific. And third, I start connecting with people who will support me. This is a tough one sometimes because we're an independent lot. We're an American. A lot of American in us. I just noticed there's some things you just can't restart without some help. How many times have you been on 270 or 255 and there's a car on the side of the road with the hood up? See it all the time, don't we? And then you see, and cars are going by, all kinds of cars. Maybe you're driving by. No guilt implied, but we're you know we got and, and there's this car and I've then I, then you go by and you see a car and his hood up and another car has swung around and their hood is up and they have these things that are connecting the cars together called jumper cables and you're thinking oh wow he needed a jump how many times have you needed a jump yeah you know man my my battery's dead and somebody stops by and they connect. You can be surrounded by a thousand cars, but until one stops and is connected, 
you're not going to get anywhere. I had some jumper cables I was going to bring with me and show everybody, but I thought, you know, you all know what jumper cables are. Come on. I mean, how many times you think about it? Have you said to yourself this? You've said to yourself, I'm going to do this by myself only to discover, ooh, I need some help on this one. It's a little bit more than I expected. Happens to us all the time, doesn't it? There's, and that's how it is true. It's true when it comes to restarting and trying to start a new habit or trying to start a new way of doing something. Sometimes we need to open our books to someone that's financially secure and go, what would you do? Sometimes opening up our hearts and going, I'm hurt by this and I don't know how to process this. And someone just listen. It's, it's, sometimes we just need some, some support to get us through what we're going through. Solomon once said this, and uh, he was talking about a fellow he saw uh, that was working, and he says he's working very hard, but he's working all alone. He said, this is, you know, in the book of Ecclesiastes, he's always doing this. He's, he's looking at all this stuff, all these different people, and all these different things in life. And that's when he noticed, he says, I noticed this man, he's working very hard, he's by himself, and he had, and he's and he's uh, not getting anywhere, and he makes the point that it's so meaningless to live this way, to work so hard and work all alone. He says it's a waste of time. It's a waste of effort. And then he follows with this passage here on your notes and up here on the screen, one that we've that you're going to hear in every one of my weddings. You're going to hear it often from the pulpit. Two are better than one. Duh. Two are better than one. It takes teamwork to make a dream work. Two are better than one. Two heads are better than one. There's power in numbers, whatever way you want to say it. Because they have a good return for their work or their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. Also, two can lie down together and they'll keep warm. Though one may be overpowered, oh, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. See, there's some things that you and I don't need to be tackling all alone. And I don't know what, I don't know where it was, when it happened, maybe. I can remember the first time I said, no, 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 I want to do this by myself. My mother's trying to tie my shoes when I'm a little kid and I'm swatting her hands. No, I'm doing this by myself. And she goes, okay, have at it. You're doing, you're doing it wrong. Tim, Tim, I know what I'm doing. I don't know what, where did that, where did this attitude come from? Was it inside me? Did I see some mother tying some little boy's shoes? I went, what a sissy. Somehow I've got this impression that when you get help, it's bad. And I'm 65 and I'm still trying to tie my shoes by myself. Gary, Alan, my sons, my wife, a host of other people in my past, all trying to say, let me help you with that. No! I'm 35. I can do this by myself. Okay. You're, hey, you're, whoa, oh. And here I am, 65 and a half. And I'm still got that problem. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? They're just some things. Oh, not to, oh, let's be honest here. Not something. There's a lot of things I cannot tackle on my own. I I uh, fixed another van. I completely tore it down. It was wrecked. And 
replaced the front end of it, got the engine running, had to lock the cam, lock up the, the, the crank, got it all done, hit the starter, had taped it, and went, got it running, and I have my thumbs up, and I do my patented, and at the end, sent it to all my friends, look what I did, look what I did. Well, I didn't tell you, Chris Weiler helped me. YouTube helped me. Rodney from RNS Automotive helped me. Jimmy from Hendrickson Auto Body helped me. Nathan from Hendrickson Auto Body helped me. A couple of mechanics across the river. I didn't mention them. Why didn't I mention them? Because I did it all by myself. We don't do anything by ourselves. We can stop and think about it. No, we need that help. We need that support. Life is better together with a team, with help, with support. And so if I if I want to be a better dad... I need to get some help. If I want to be a better husband, I've got to get some help. If I want to be a better lady or a woman or a student or a business owner or an employee or a mother or a grandparent, I get some help. Oh, I think I got it. No, we don't. See, that what I notice about this Ecclesiastes 4 is Here's why, by the way, here's how I know I don't have it because I've tried doing stuff on my own and failed miserably a lot of times. And here he says, well, here's a way, here's a surefire way that you will not fail. The results prove it. You get a good return when you get some support. You've got resilience. You're able to get back up. You mean, okay, so even with help, I'm going to fall? Yeah, but you can get back up. You, you'll start again because life is full of restarts and resets. And the strength, add a third person, add a quarter of three strengths, add a third person and your chances are even stronger. You're more resilient. You have more strength. I want you to notice something. All three of these results depend on you. And what you do with others. How much you let them in. All three of these blessings are part of taking responsibility. Personal responsibility here. I want to say this as polite as I can. If you push people back. If you push them a little bit. When they're trying to move in and you push them a little bit, you're a porcupine, for whatever reason it is. I've been, I've done that. Push them back a little bit. I'm gonna hand, I don't wanna get too close. I wanna keep it superficial. You know, there are some, I noticed this about, I noticed this at our, at our campus retreat. And I noticed this sometimes around here. Some of us here, we like being on that superficial level of relationships. Because we're permanently, continually being a guest. We've never got any deeper than the superficial. And oh, why? Well, and everybody's so nice. Nobody's able to speak any truth into your life either. And that, see, that's something you decide and I decide. How deep are we going to be involved? And how deep is somebody going to be involved in my life? And I, I want to say it again. If you push people away and if you think you don't need help, you are helpless. Help is less in your life. The kind of help God wants to give you. 
you're asking. How do I know that? I know this because it's, I've done this. I've done this a billion times. So have you. We ask for things to be more difficult when we're this way. We ask for failure. Gary was sharing at the campus retreat this weekend a marvelous thought I want to pass on to you. Um, he talks about David and Jonathan at the campus retreat. His topic was called Dangerously Alone. And we're talking about friendships and the relationships we have and we can be dangerously alone though we have lots of people around us. And he's talking about David and Jonathan in particular and he shared this passage in your notes of 1 Samuel 23. David was at Horish in the desert of Ziph. He was afraid because Saul was coming to kill him. But Saul's son, Jonathan, went to see David at Horish and encouraged him to have a stronger faith in God. I, what Gary pointed out was, though David is surrounded by all these people, he, his mighty men are around him. Saul is trying to kill him. David's going to be the next king. Saul doesn't like that. He wants his son Jonathan to be the next king. And so he's trying to get rid of David, and he's trying to kill him, hunt him down and kill him. And you see this play out throughout, throughout the book of 1 Samuel. And what's going on here is there's a couple of times when David has an opportunity to kill Saul. In fact, the people that he's connected with are saying, do it, do it. And he says, I cannot lift a hand against the Lord's anointed. I think I, I, I could understand. He's trying to kill you. Knock him off. People will understand. David says, I just can't do that. And, and because he's got all the, even though he's got all these people around, he's afraid because Saul is coming to kill him. And so God brings Jonathan into David's life to help him strengthen his faith. I can be surrounded by lots of people and still be helpless, church. You can be surrounded by lots of people. You can, you can, the original point of this lesson, I remember the original point was find people that will support you. I can find them. I can find all kinds of people support me. I, I can look for people, have them around me, but unless I bond and connect with them, they're absolutely helpless in my life. So what? So I have to have this, I gotta start connecting, that's what's important. I must connect with these people. I wanna ask you, who is your Jonathan? Who is your Jonathan? in your life because it's very important that you have a Jonathan in your life they, they, they don't judge you they listen but they tell you the truth they look you in the eye and they say buddy you got a problem here I mean if that's not the kind of help you want <laughs> I don't know you're not going to get very far because sometimes you need someone like that that can say I see this in your life and because they love you, they tell you this. Not because they want to catch you at something. They do it because they love you and they care. And they'll, they'll help you. You say back off, they back off. You say, listen to me, they listen to you. Don't lecture me, they won't lecture you. For a while. You got a Jonathan that will strengthen, that strengthens your faith and they have to tell you, I heard somebody say one time, sometimes we need a pat on the back, but sometimes we need a kick in the pants. That's what a good friendship does. Step number four, I start eliminating anything in my way. I start asking God to start something new. Of course, 
I, I start asking the pin, you know, I start, I start pinpointing, asking God. And while I'm asking God, letting God look with me to pinpoint what it is that needs to change. I start connecting with other people, with supportive people. Maybe you're connected to somebody that's not that, not that spiritual. That's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's not a good idea to just hang around people that agree with you. If they agree with God, that's a whole different thing. That's great. But I've got to start doing that. And then I've got to, this fourth step. I start eliminating anything in my way. I've thought about this for a long time and over, over, over the years of my life. The reason I can't change is because I'm weighed down by an old idea, an old habit, an old grudge, emotional baggage that just holds me back. And if I want to restart, and if you want to restart, we've got to look at what stops us. What is it is our kryptonite? Our silver bullet. Satan knows your kryptonite. He knows what will stop you. A little criticism. Whoa, whoa, I see, whoa, whoa, I'm done. How many, how many Sundays afternoon I'm talking myself out of, of leaving, of quitting? Happens all the time. No, it's, he knows what gets to me and he knows what gets to you. And he knows what will get in your way and what will not. And so I start eliminating anything that's in my way. And when I do that, when I start looking at what stops me and I identify it as in the way, then I get serious about getting rid of it. Look at this passage in, in Hebrews 12. So let us run the race that is before us and never give up. We should remove from our lives anything that would get in the way and the sin that so easily holds us back. He says, he said, the Hebrew writer says to the, to the people that read this letter, your whole life is ahead of you. A new, a new life is ahead of you. Today's the first day of the rest of your life. Yes, it's the whole new race is marked out for you. A new year is in front of you. And in front of you is uh, all this life are accomplishments that God has planned. Like we've always said, God has plans to prosper you, not to harm you. He says in front of you, there's all this stuff, all this good stuff awaiting you in this race, in this, in this course marked out for you. And there's a finish line there. And that's why I can't wait to talk next week about this. How do I finish what God starts? See, the, my life has a finish line. And he goes, oh, I want you to get, I want you to be able to cross that finish line. I want you to finish the race. You know, not all runners run, finish the race, right? And you're going to be able to do that, if you will, at the starting line. When you restart, you decide right there at the starting line, I'm going to have to let go of some things if I'm going to make it to the finish line. I've got to learn to let go. Church, I'm telling you, I am in this boat with you on this, but we've got to get serious about this. I, You and I have to start looking at what is unhealthy and unhelpful that's in the way of our life. I'm counting on you to look into your life and find those. I'm counting on me to do the same thing in mine. It's probably different, but it's, it's there. And you know what holds us back. We have no joy. We have no excitement. We have no passion. We have no stamina. We have no endurance. 
Oh, it's when I start going, this is what's really, I got it. That's got to go. That has got to go. Kind of like that old shirt. It's just got to go. And see, sometimes I need this. I thought about this. I, I, yesterday I was cleaning out the shop and I only worked on one room. And I'm going, man, there needs to be a purge. Is there a movie called The Purge? And are they killing people in that one? Okay, I, I'm not saying that. <laughs> kind of, kind of not. Because we ought to be killing the old self, really. We ought to kill the old self. But, it, uh, but I'm going, man, I need a purge. And I go, that's been up there for years. I've, it's useless. Out it goes. All of a sudden, I got room to put some other stuff in my shop. Dumpster's full. Shop is empty. There's room. And sometimes it's a mental thing, a mental purge or a physical purge or an emotional purge. I think that's a big one around here. And there's a spiritual purge that we just need to go, God, I just need this. Can we just tear it all out? Clear it all out. I want to get rid of that mental and emotional junk that's in my head so I can make room for something good that you want to give me. What needs to go? What needs to go? It's stuff that hinders. It could be something good that I think is good, but it needs to go. Is it an attitude? But I like this attitude. I'm comfortable in this attitude. Is it a habit? But that's what I do when I get scared or get depressed or get discouraged. I go to this. I go to that. Is it media? Is it the media? More and more I'm reading, I'm doing a, 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 I'm doing a major study right now on the LGBTQ plus uh, culture. And more and more and more and more, church, it's not just, it's not just our young people, but I watch old people staring at their phones too much. Media is destroying us. We're looking at smiling faces, everybody having it together and asking yourself, how come I'm not like them? It can have such a negative impact. Too much media intake. That's my. That's what I'm discovering for me. For me. When your wife says, "Get your phone, your face out of your phone," at a restaurant, you know you got a problem. Oh, I heard a moan there. Or maybe it's a media thing. I'm watching the bad stuff. If I'm going to, if I watch, for example, I've been watching too much Judge Judy. So what I, I'm catching myself. Saying to people, yes or no, yes or no. Tim, what's wrong with you? What? What? I, yeah, I got proof here. I don't want to hear. I don't care. I don't care. That's what Judge Judy says. I catch myself having this attitude. I'm being silly, but I'm serious though. There's things we, we watch. You watch enough murder mysteries, guess what? You're going to start thinking about murdering somebody. <laughs> you know, I know how to do this better than that guy. <laughs> or maybe it's some bad news, bad news, bad news. I do this with my my phone all the time. Does anybody else do this? You have those three dots and you go, I don't want to see that kind of stuff anymore. I don't want to see that kind of stuff anymore. I don't want to see that kind of stuff anymore. And so the cell phone goes, sure, Tim, sure. Okay, so I've done it so much. Guess what I'm watching now? Three bodies found in a dumpster in Cincinnati. Two bodies found in... I'm going, what have I done? What if I, what, I need to start deleting this. And finally, it's going to be a blank screen. Maybe there's something that's media. I just need to make a media adjustment. 
Maybe there's a relationship, a friendship. You go, man, as much as I like them, as much as they're dragging me down. It's easier to pull somebody down than pull somebody up, church. Much easier. And we have to look at sometimes our friendships, our connections. But I'm trying to reach that person. I'm not talking. But sure, reach them. You might want to take someone else along to help you. I just want you to think about this idea of eliminating anything in the way. Well, how serious? How serious should I get with this? I mean, how do you get serious with this step, Tim? I think it starts by depending on Jesus who takes care of the sin and helps me take care of the habits. Baptism washes away all sin. Agree with that? The Bible says so. But the habits take a little more scrubbing. And Jesus and I are working on Tim's bad habits. Tim, that's going to take, we're going to have to work on you a little bit here. But you've, you've got to let go of some things for me to be able to, to work in you. And it, it's depending on Christ. As we close, look at this passage in 1 Peter. What a God we have, the message says. And how fortunate we are to have Him, this Father of our Master Jesus, Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. When should I take these steps? Now. Don't put it off. Here's a passage on the screen. This is how the message says, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. Are you united with Jesus Christ? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Or maybe your relationship with Jesus, it's, it's kind of fragmented right now. Time for a defrag. Time to restore that relationship. Start by taking a simple step to a do-over. And that simple step, before you take these, may simply be I'm going to step into the grace of God in a relationship with Jesus Christ because He starts everything new. You have a card in your bulletin if you have something you want to respond to anything in this lesson, maybe a prayer request. Uh, There are a team of people that pray over these cards. They pray through those cards word for word and bring, bring your requests to God. Why not take advantage of that help, that support this morning? Let's pray and we'll be through here. Father, thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, thank You for making everything new. You're the God of new things. And Father, we pray that that uh, You can do something new in 2023 to each of us here at Greater Alton. That You can, if whatever it be, Father, we, we ask You to start it to start it in us. Reveal what we need to start. Listen to what all of us here are going to be talking to you about this week that we'd like to start. Help us do that. Father, help us to be the kind of of, uh, self-starter, be not necessarily a self-starter as much as a starter with you, the kind of starter that will not only just ask But we'll pinpoint, help us pinpoint what it is that we really need to work on. 
And Father, help us take responsibility for connecting. Maybe there's a new connection you want us to have. Let us take advantage of that new connection. And Father, help us eliminate whatever's in the way that stops us from starting. An excuse, an attitude, something that we think we're facing that we say, I don't know how I can start because it's, it's fear, we're afraid, or it seems so impossible. Help us see that when we get serious and start depending on You, that You can give us a brand new start, a brand new life. Give us that fresh start, Father, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. This is my desire to honor you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. All I have within me, I Every moment I